The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. Uh, my name is Joel, and I'm here with Mike, and we're going to recap the week that was in All Elite Wrestling. Before we get into the action, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man, but really, are, how are you doing from that marathon? Are you are you still hurting? I know it's been a few days now, but that's a ton of miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was really fun. Um, I ran with a pacer most of the time, and... Uh, at 17 miles, my knee gave out, which was like really upsetting. And I thought I was going to have to walk the last nine miles, but I was able to make some adjustments to my stride and, and get back into it. And thankfully, I banked like almost nine minutes um, for the pace that I wanted to run. So I was able to go a little bit slower and still finish uh, under my target time of five hours. So it was good. Uh, Sunday, I, I felt like I was going to die. Uh, <laughs> everything hurt, man. I mean, everything hurt. It was it was bad. Uh, but I got back uh, to normal uh, past couple of days. I actually went running yesterday for the first time after running the marathon. So feel good. Feel back to normal. And uh, it was just a really fun time. So uh, if if anyone out there is, is interested in running a marathon, I highly recommend it. Uh, but I also recommend building up to it. So if you've <laughs> never run a race before, don't start with a marathon. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, though. It's funny you mentioned that because a few years ago, my roommate did a half marathon and she signed up just for just for shits and didn't really start training until maybe a, a few weeks before. And I don't think she could walk for like two days afterward. And then the next time she did her a half marathon, she did like one of those cycle things here in Boston. So it was like a 5K, then a 10K, then the half marathon. And she she definitely was able to do it a lot more successful the second time around because she <laughs> built up to it and she did more training but yeah running's never been quite my thing i've been trying to get into it uh i just get bored <laughs> you gotta do a 5k man you gotta do a 5k uh, and, and the, well, the whole atmosphere around the race like it's infection it'll it'll get you into it well I, i've told you before that i'm like i'm adding running into my cardio routine so i'm doing about i don't know uh five minutes, six minutes, and then doing the rest uh, on the elliptical. So it's getting there. But yeah, it's still not. I still don't really enjoy it. But I, I definitely uh, feel like I'm actually doing a workout when I when I run instead of the elliptical. So going to try and add more to it. And we'll see. I've always wanted to do a 5k knock it off the, the old bucket list. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just not I prefer to I prefer lifting things and putting them down in public <laughs> than uh than running in public. Cuz also if I'm lifting things up, you you can't really see like my man boobs bouncing. <laughs> when I'm running, they they bounce and then they hurt and then I get why bras exist. So, uh just embrace the, it, man. Just embrace it. <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of those. So, <laughs> um but before we get started, we got some exciting news here at uh the other wrestling show. We are on Spotify and iTunes now. So, uh go go subscribe please subscribe definitely subscribe if you don't subscribe we'll we'll be very sad but go go check us out we're on both of those and we'll be getting on stitcher and google play if anyone uses those i don't know how many people use google play for their podcast but we'll be getting on those other uh podcasting networks soon but itunes spotify which is under the other wrestling show uh you should be able to find us so i thought that was pretty exciting news as we enter the world of being podcaster i i haven't updated my dating apps yet but i really want my dating profile to say podcast oh i wouldn't do that i feel like i, I have... feel like that's a deterrent <laughs> that's absolutely a deterrent but then i have to explain what my podcast is and like not many single women really want to talk to me about professional wrestling so at least um, not on the first date right no i i stopped doing that i i used to do that mention wrestling on first dates and then i found surprisingly there was no second date. So <laughs> the dates I mentioned wrestling, not at all, usually result in more dates. So well, I was um, married for three years before my wife found out I was a wrestling fan. So yeah, I it, did it a different to come out of the closet. <laughs> I did it a different way. I did it a different way. I have something to tell you. <laughs> well, I think on that note, hey, Joel, how about a quick rundown of what happened tonight? Absolutely. It was an awesome show originating from Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I'm from originally. So I was pretty excited about it. It was a really hot start, hot crowd, 
And they started things off with the tag team battle royal with the Young Bucks winning with Matt Jackson eliminating the Butcher, Santana, and Ortiz to win the match and become number one contenders for the tag team championships at Revolution. After that was a match between Shanna and Chris Statlander with Britt Baker on commentary. Uh, Chris Statlander got the pinfall. And then Tony Schiavone had an interview segment with Nyla Rose, recently crowned AEW Women's Champion. So that was a, a good segment. Statlander and Swole came out to kind of get involved there. Next up, one of the more anticipated matches for this week, Moxley and Jeff Cobb, which was very interesting. Moxley getting the pinfall via a small package. And in the aftermath of the match, we got the return of Darby Allen. So some follow-up on all those vignettes that he's been doing. Next up was the Lucha Bros versus Page and Omega for the Tag Team Championships. Page and Omega getting the win via pinfall. Uh, Phoenix taking the fall there. And then something that I'm sure a lot of people are really excited about, we got the introduction of the first AEW action figures. And uh, this was done in a really neat segment. So uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. And then there was a nice vignette to get everybody excited for the Wardlow versus Cody match in the cage, and also just highlighting the Cody-MJF feud overall. Finally, in the main event, we had Cody getting the pinfall victory over Wardlow off a moonsault from the top of the cage. Wow, what a week. <laughs> yeah, let's just start right there in our, in our stock up, stock down segment. Holy shit. <laughs> like, one, I, I think the most amazing thing about that moonsault to me is that he didn't sit up there very long. He got up there and then immediately jumped the fuck off. Like, usually, like, I'm used to Jeff Hardy or Shane McMahon kind of like, should I do this? I don't know. But, like, he, I don't even think he looked back to make sure Warlow was ready. He just leaped. Um, and just, I, I don't know. I, I saw some tweets last night as I was live tweeting the show about people saying, Wow, I think I really am a Cody guy now. I'm like, what? How how could you not been a Cody guy after everything we've seen him do the last year in AEW? So, just just an incredible spot. And uh, I, I two things about this match. One, has there been this much blood on Dynamite before? Because I don't think so. No, and and that that looked like a blade job. Like I think Cody definitely bladed on that which is an interesting turn for a TV show. Usually the only blood we've seen has been on uh, either dark or a pay-per-view. So that was something. And then I think Wardlow looks less intimidating in ring gear. Oh, I he disagree. Didn't, he didn't Hard look disagree. as big. He didn't look as big. And like when he wears the suit and he's just kind of the silent type and intimidating type like when when he was in the ring gear and then he started like making weird faces and like sticking out his tongue i'm like it just didn't translate for me from what we've seen warlow before it, it just didn't feel it didn't feel uh scary to me so, I, I actually took him less seriously in the ring gear so for me seeing him in the suit i kind of thought he was going to take it off and look like bo dallas and then he <laughs> took it off and he looked like rhino from back in the day I was impressed, and I thought he looked really good. I liked his style. Uh, and Wardlow, I had talked about last week. I was excited to find <laughs> out whether or not he sucked. And I think I can confidently say he does not suck. Uh, this was a good showing. And something I really appreciated is that he knows how to work big. You know, he's one of the larger guys in the company. And sometimes big guys don't really know how to use their actions in the ring and the way they move around to demonstrate that they're the bigger guy, they're the more powerful performer. And I thought he did a really good job of not necessarily going at top speed or doing the most athletic things that he's capable of or appears to be capable of at all times in the match. It made those moments when he did charge and do something seem more impactful. And it gave the impression right off the bat when he's no selling clotheslines and he's kind of lumbering around the ring. And Cody's using his quickness to get the upper hand in spots. It really gave off the impression this is a big, bad dude. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. When he did have that burst, like when he got Cody up in the powerbomb position and he went charging all the way across the ring to throw Cody into the cage, 
I thought it really demonstrated what his athletic potential is because he was moving pretty fast with not a small man up on his shoulder. So I thought he looked really good in this match. I thought the F10 looked really good. And hitting that on on Cody, who's one of the bigger guys in the company, I think that gives me confidence that he's going to be able to hit that on most, if not all, of the wrestlers in the company. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Cody did like two and a half rotations on that. Like, that's if you're playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I'm pretty sure you're getting like 10,000 points for nailing that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, from everything it, him in the like wrestling wise, I thought it was very effective. And we've talked, we need body diversity and we, we're finally starting to see it more with, uh, with Wardlow debuting and then, you know, the Butcher having a prominent spot in that tag match, and Soros having a prominent spot, like we're seeing these bigger guys. Um, so I, I definitely liked everything he did in the ring. And yeah, I think we can confidently say Wardlow doesn't suck. And I actually wrote that in my notes and I actually put that on the live tweet too. I'm like, all right, guys, time to see if Wardlow sucks. <laughs> so um, I, I. He obviously doesn't. And a few things um, about this match. So the cage was loose and they didn't acknowledge that the cage was different until later in the match. And I'm wondering if they actually intended the cage to be like that or how it wasn't connected to the ring. And you could like kind of like Cody fell to the floor at one point. Um, And one, it, it, it looks extremely dangerous when that stuff happens, um, especially when you have Warlow like powerbombing him into the side of the cage because you could fall, hit your knee, whatever. Um, but the fact that they didn't mention it right away kind of made me feel like maybe that was improvised to kind of like, oh shit, <laughs> like Cody hit the floor. We need to explain this in some way. So I thought that was interesting. The cage itself looked like a cage, but that obviously was was a big, uh, big difference between the cages we've seen. And I was a little bummed it wasn't the big blue cage. You know, <laughs> I know you don't want it. I wanted the big blue cage to come back, but I'm okay with the, the cage that they had. But um, and then one thing that I wish they went back to, they had a camera in the corner of the cage and they used it once earlier in the match and then they never went back to it. And I don't know if they just didn't like what they saw there or they weren't getting good, uh, good looks, but I thought that was a pretty cool uh, enhancement that I wish they would have used more throughout the match because they they did a flash of it maybe five minutes in and never went back. to it. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And I kept expecting to get that camera angle again. Um, and I wonder if, you know, maybe they tried it. They didn't like the way the visuals looked because it was the color was different. It was it different. Was not yeah. the same definition. And maybe that has something to do with it. But it didn't take away from the match for me. It was, it was a little bit odd, but then it's like, okay, it's over. Let's move on. There was a lot to like here. I really enjoyed that there was no escape component. Like, mm-hmm. escape from the cage is not a way to win. You know, you have to win this match in the cage, pinfall, submission, whatever you can do. And it really added to the drama because when they did have the spot where Cody got thrown through the door, and the doors popped open, they were able to do some storyline stuff with that. Yep. But it wasn't that moment uh, that kills your suspension of disbelief where it's like, okay, you could literally just fall forward and then the match is over and you win. Yeah, I don't care how depleted you are, you can still fall forward. And that's a problem in the other wrestling company anytime they do a cage match. Here in this match, because escape wasn't a condition for victory, that's taken out of it. I'm able to stay in the moment. And I thought commentary did a really good job in this match in general, but specifically yeah. with pointing out as soon as he got thrown through the door, doesn't matter if he gets out. That's not one of the conditions of the match. He's got to win it in the ring. So I thought that was great. Yeah. And I love the, the, the MJF uh, orange spot with the door with MJF screaming at him. Come on. His, his dad did this to you. Do it, do it. And Arn for a second looks like he's going to, and then slams into MJF's face. I thought I thought MJF, Brandy, and Arn did a great job outside the ring, helping tell this story. You know, Brandy hitting MJF with the steel chair, and then Arn throwing him into the crowd, and then MJF's face post match, where it was just like utter disbelief, like holy shit. Like, and I, I I know we talked about the order of the the stipulations. You know, the lashes, the steel cage, and then the match. Well, we got one week where. MJF has one thing left in his pocket. If he can get Cody to touch him, the match is off. So I'm curious to see 
what MJF has in store to try and get under Cody's skin next week. If it's something with Brandy or Arn, I feel like that's the last ditch effort and just to see how far he can push Cody. So, um, yeah, just, just beautiful, beautiful storytelling all around from, from all the participants in this, uh, this match. Well, yeah, we talk about in, about the other wrestling company, how they do things for the video package. And I think that look that you were talking about from MJF and then the iconic image of a crimson masked Cody standing on top of the cage, victorious. Those two moments right there are made for the video package. And Mm -hmm. I think the story they're going to be able to tell in advance of this match at Revolution in whatever vignettes they decide to do. I just I think it's going to be fantastic. So. Yeah. This was a, a great exclamation point. And it'll be interesting to see what do they do next week to continue building the drama and, and feeding into it. So, yeah. And, and, and interesting, you mentioned about the, the quality of like the vignettes and stuff. I think that's what separates AEW from the other indie companies. It's just they have really high production value that we're used to seeing in the other wrestling company that we don't necessarily see when you watch Ring of Honor you know, I don't watch Impact as much, but I remember like even some of the NJPW uh vignettes last year leading up to the M- MSG show. They just they were good, but they weren't, you know, the high quality you expect from a, a a company of that size. So I really appreciate what they're doing and they're they're hitting their stride on some of the the packages as well. Just a few last things about this match. I love the Sentin from uh from Wardlow. He won it looked Pretty and two, just the impact of a guy that big doing it. Uh, I thought the military uh, press into the wall of the cage was a really impressive spot. I know we kind of it took him a second to get him up, but uh, it was it looked impactful when uh, he he got a uh, cut Cody into the cage. And then just we talk about the power slam every week from the Rhodes brothers, and Cody's power slam on Wardlow was super smooth. And I just really love that Cody can work all these different styles now. And uh, yeah, just just a masterclass. Just really good stuff. Anything else uh, about this match before we move on? Well, that, that flipping senton from Wardlow, that was something that was really impressive to me. And what I like to see in a flipping senton is late rotation, because that's what makes it look good in my mind. And that's something that, you know, I think Jeff Hardy is the best in the world at that yeah. move. Because his rotation is so late, you think he's going to die every time he does it. And this one from from such a big dude as Wardlow is looked really, really impressive for that same reason. The rotation came very late. So, yeah, that was really fun. So let's uh, let's move on. What's uh, what's something you want to talk about? Stock up, stock down from this week. Well, I really wanted to talk about the tag team championship match between the Lucha Bros and Page and Omega. I thought. They did a really good job telling a story here. They got me for a second. For a second, I really yeah. thought that they were going to get the pinfall on Omega after they uh, they hit that um, the package pile driver with the uh, the stomp assist. I mean, that was just a really really well done match. And something that struck me in watching this match is, and you know, bear with me on this one. Adam Page reminds me of an APA era Bradshaw <laughs> with more flips. Seriously, <laughs> well, a modern version of that character, because you look at the moveset he's doing. He does a big boot. He does a fallaway slam. He does, you know, a really powerful clothesline. He hits power bombs. Those moves that he does and the way he hits them remind me of that really athletic Bradshaw when he was you know fresh out of Abilene Christian where he had been a defensive lineman and just he was really really impressive back in the day if you didn't like JBL in the ruthless aggression era I get it it's an acquired taste it's not for everyone Bradshaw in the APA was so athletic and and his moves hit with such power obviously Page is physically smaller he's faster he's more athletic I think it's kind of a modern version of that style of wrestler. And then you add into it that JBL played up the whole Texas thing. And Adam Page is very like Virginia country kind of vibe. So I just I noticed that for the first time. And I thought it was really interesting 
And uh, he had some great spots in this match, just some really mm-hmm. interesting ways to hit those big clotheslines. And once again, he took out Omega with a buckshot lariat. And that's yep. kind of becoming a trend. I think this is the second or third time we've seen Omega almost get blasted by that or get blasted <laughs> by it. And, you know, it almost cost them the match. So um, I yeah, thought this was I, really well done. Like you mentioned, I thought I I thought it was over when when they hit the Penta driver. I thought that was it. I was like, oh, my God, they're taking the belts off of them. Uh, I The match was it was a crescendo. Like it kind of started off spots we've seen spots we've seen. And then it was just a flurry of chaos for like five to seven minutes. Uh, my favorite my favorite sequence in the match was uh, Kenny went to do that, like toss German where he throws the guy to Paige. So he tossed Phoenix toward Paige. Phoenix hit him with a cutter. And when Paige was down, Pentagon jumps off his back to hit a destroyer on Kenny. It yeah. was just so smooth and clean. And I I just think I have like a huge, huge love affair with the, the destroyer. I think it might be my favorite move right now. And maybe it's just because I'm seeing all these cool different ways to do it. Um, and actually, uh, WWE's Twitter earlier tweeted a video like there was like nine videos like who does the best sunset flip power bomb. And the first one they have on it was Rey Mysterio doing a destroyer, not a sunset flip power bomb. Like, get your <laughs> shit right, guys. Everything else was a sunset flip power bomb. But the first one they showed was a Canadian destroyer. Like, God, someone ch- check that shit. Um, but I just really love that. And also just just, just a ton of amazing spots in this match um you know uh kenny hitting the tiger dropper after the v trigger and only getting a two count and then i thought that they this was the best looking buckshot lariat v trigger combo because it kind of came out of nowhere it was super fast and tight usually you can tell there's a big setup but it it felt like it happened all within a second and they did a really good job with it um i'm trying to think of any oh Phoenix doing that over the top rope, her and Kenrana to the floor. Yeah. Was I want it's amazing. When I watch Phoenix, I see stuff that I've never seen before. And I've been watching him for like two or three years solid now. And he always pulls out something that makes me go, wow. Well, the thing about Phoenix, there were four spots from him in this match that I thought were really, really impressive. And I mean, there's probably more than that, but four that really stood out to me. And part of it with Phoenix is. He's not always doing stuff you haven't seen before, but he's doing it in a way that's more difficult. He's adding mm-hmm. an extra layer, right? So he had that rope walk PK. Oh, it's so he good. went more than halfway across yeah. the ring for that. And, you know, we've seen guys do a rope walk PK before. We've seen Phoenix do it before. This felt long distance. <laughs> and then you mentioned the, the springboard Rana to the outside. Again, I've seen that before, but he did it with no hands. His hands did not touch the rope. It's it's remarkable. You mentioned the corkscrew cutter earlier. We've seen him do corkscrew cutters, but we haven't seen him do a corkscrew cutter out of a toss where he's being thrown <laughs> by somebody else. And then there was the corkscrew pescado to the outside after hitting the penta driver. I mean, just remarkable stuff. And you could have a highlight reel from this match that's just Phoenix. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it would only be 25% of the amazing spots from this match. But man, I thought he had a really great showing. And um, I agree with you about the finish. I thought the the blind tag into the buckshot lariat V trigger combo, which needs a name. Come on, Kenny. It does. Get on it. You're, you're great at naming things. Come up with something. Uh, <clears throat> but I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a great finish. Um, did you did you see the did you notice the nameplate this week? Oh God, I I didn't so notice the nameplate. Page, what, what was... Page and Omega's nameplate said "Como se dice yeehaw," which <laughs> you know, for those of you who don't know any Spanish, that's how do you say yeehaw? Um, oh, so I, I, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I um, keep missing him, man. I, after the first one was Sammy a few weeks ago, I've been I just I I keep forgetting to pay attention, and also like. I was taking notes and live tweeting, so like I took some of the downtimes to get my tweets out. Um, side note, going to try and do that every week, so uh, let's definitely get some uh, interactions there. Um, oh, and one other spot from Phoenix, of course. He did like a dive from the turnbuckle, and Kenny nailed him with the V-trigger. It looked, it looked like he died. 
<laughs> like it was so explosive. I just, uh, oh man, when when Kenny isn't in your top two performers in a match, you know that the match is great because I think, uh, I think Phoenix and Hangman were the two standouts from this match. Not to say Pentagon and hey, Omega didn't do cool stuff, but I just think the quality of the talent in this match and also just the rise of hangman he he seems to just have way more confidence right now like every i think he knows everything he's doing is going to work and look good and i'm just i was a little worried about where hangman page would go after he lost to jericho at all out and i think they've done a really good job of slowly but surely building him back up where if you told me that page was going to main event all out this year i'd be all for it because i think the trajectory makes sense for him yeah definitely I, I i agree with you completely i think omega and penta were in this match in service of making ray and page look really good uh another spot the last one that i'll mention from this match that i, I just really enjoyed was the kind of monkey flip cannonball spot mm. i don't for lack of a better term to call that but you know, that was really impressive. Uh, Phoenix got down on his back and then uh, Penta ran at him and he launched him into the corner into that cannonball. And it just looked really good. And I can't imagine the timing, coordination and precision that's required for that kind of maneuver. I mean, it looked like Cirque du Soleil at times out there, mm-hmm. the way they were hitting these spots and, and how acrobatic and athletic it all was. If you didn't see this match, go back and watch it. Take time out of your day because it was spectacular. Yeah, we I, I tweeted we need to get another Kenny Pentagon singles match at some point. I, I want to see that. But man, I also just like Phoenix and Hangman one on one. I want to see what they could do. Um, any combination of those four guys, I think, would be close to five stars. So, um, yeah. So n- next thing I want to talk about uh, a little stock up, stock down, a little bit of both, honestly, is the Jeff Cobb versus Moxley match and if you listen last week you know how excited i was for jeff cobb to be in aew uh a little kayfabe break right here it doesn't seem like he's signed an exclusive deal yet so it might be one-offs for the for the near future he still wants to do some other stuff with some other companies but uh i thought it was a pretty good showing i think i had higher expectations for this match um i also i just kind of need to recognize that Moxley isn't necessarily the style that I particularly enjoy right now. So um, while I think he's a he's doing great work here and obviously some of his hardcore matches have been really good. I will say one of the best things I think they could possibly do with this is had Taz on commentary because Taz being able to talk to all the different suplexes that Cobb was doing. Uh, I think he just spoke uh, just made it really it's kind of like Tony Romo esque. like he made it really easy to understand how Jeff Cobb was nailing these these suplex stuff. And obviously Taz was the human suplex machine. So uh definitely a good expert to have on the subject. But what what do you have to what 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 do you take from this match? Well it's interesting you bring up commentary. I think commentary is something that we've talked about not always positively uh as we've been reviewing Dynamite every week. I thought commentary this week was really locked in. And I thought mm-hmm. JR had some great lines. I loved in this match he talked about how he's cutting a promo on him during the match. You got to listen to your ass whooping. And I was, I thought that was a great line because like, yeah, that, that does make it worse. You know, when somebody's beating you, that's one thing, but they're beating you and they're talking crap. So um, I really enjoyed that. Uh, something else that stood out to me, and this actually was in the, in the intro. I thought it was a really interesting choice with Moxley's new merch that they're going with that skull iconography. And it was a very reminiscent of one Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of skull on the shirt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you watched his run in the other wrestling company, they were trying to make him into a Stone Cold-esque kind of character. And that failed miserably. So I thought it was I thought it was interesting to see this gear that I mean, if you just change the words on it, it looked like it could have been Stone Cold shirt from the Attitude Era. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, one other thing from this match that stood out to me was the drop kick that Jeff Cobb threw and just the hang time that he had. He mm-hmm. clearly jumped early. Mox was not in position to take that kick. 
And he just hung up there. He was just there until Mock caught up to the move. And I was really, really impressed. One thing I really enjoyed about this match, at one point, you could see both Moxley and Cobb smiling. Like, oh man, this is so much fun. I love working with, like, it's just the enthusiasm on his face. It kind of, it kind of teased me that maybe Cobb was, wasn't going to be a part of the, the post-match beatdown. Because I thought it might have just been, hey, a, a sign of respect type thing. But I just love when you can kind of see wrestlers enjoying what they're doing. Um, I, I thought the ending was super quick. I did not expect it to end like that. Um, and I kind of, I, I do, I, to me, it doesn't really weaken Cobb because it was kind of a, a fluky thing, but I kind of would have wanted a, a, I don't know, some sort of different finish. But uh, the type of suplexes that Cobb was thrown out here, like we don't see belly to belly as much anymore. I don't think we ever see them in the other wrestling company now, but to Biggie. see the amount of Biggie, Biggie okay, he's like maybe the only one right now, right? I, Occasionally, uh, Lesnar. Okay, and does Keith Lee do any in NXT? Uh probably. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but remember, we used to see it a lot more back in the day. Like, I remember Kurt Angle yeah. and Taz like suplexing mm-hmm. the hell out of people. So it's nice to see that move, and also just the like. I know you got to have your the person you're giving it to like jump, but man, he was just throwing Moxley around, and Moxley's not a small dude. Like Moxley's a like a pretty solid guy, so be able to just fling around the ring like that uh was was impressive and i, I like the emphasis of uh moxie trying to get him down they did that whole thing where it took a while for moxie to knock him off his feet so i think i think Cobb looked good i think moxie looked good and like was it a a great match probably not but it was it was it was a step to lead us to the the continuation of the moxie inner circle storyline which led to the post-match stuff which i thought was great uh not only you know was this continuation of multiple storylines because we had Dustin come out, Dustin, you know, gave Hager these hands, but the reaction of when Darby came out, well, not, sorry, the lights going out and then Darby appearing on stage, dude is so freaking over, man. And, ah, oh, what, 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 I know, you know, you want to talk about Darby Allen. So what do you have to say about his return in the post-match fray? So he got a huge, huge pop, like you mentioned, and I like the decision to drop the lights and really let the moment breathe, because yeah. how else are you going to stop the beatdown that's happening in the ring? And if you want Darby to come out and get to do his entrance and come down on the skateboard and have his moment on the stage, you need to do something to interrupt the action that's happening in the ring. And I think dropping the lights did that effectively. I wasn't wondering, like, why is he taking his time getting to the ring? He should be charging out there. But and especially when it went back to the shot of the inner circle in the ring and they're all shock and awe, like we thought we were done with this guy. We thought this guy was was out of our lives. And now here he is. And I really enjoyed everything about this segment. Um, When he got in the ring and he had his kind of one on one with everybody in turn and then it got to Cobb. Cobb just tossed him like a sack of potatoes. Like <laughs> he went absolutely flying through the air. And of course, you know, landed on his feet because it's Darby oh. Allen. But I just thought the whole thing looked really good. And I liked that he used the skateboard to block the nut shot from Jake yep. Hager. Cause you know, that's pretty much all Hager's done since he's been yep. in the company is, is give people nut shots. So, you know, it shows that, they're paying attention to storyline continuity. And I think that was actually something that was demonstrated in the tag championship match as well. To go back to that, there were a lot of counters in that match because they've fought before. They know what each other's moves are. And I think some of that was present here too, where Darby went in with a strategy. He went in knowing this is what they're going to try to do. And this is how I'm going to stop them. So in that way, he was able to go one on four in a believable fashion. And it didn't just look like everybody standing around waiting their turn to get hit. So yeah. I, I enjoyed the way it was done. And I I enjoyed the, I don't know to, whether to call it a promo or not, that he did during the commercial break with his yeah. note card. The um, uh, Love Actually segment. that Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved how it ended because Darby's, uh, sorry, uh, Sammy's been doing the hit me up. I think his t-shirt says hit me up. And his Darby's cards ended with at revolution. I promise I will hit you up. It was just so damn good. And 
you know, I actually wrote down everything he said. Sammy in 10 days of Chicago at Revolution, you're finished. The inner circle is finished. Mox would take the title, but I would take so much more. Your voice, your livelihood at Revolution. I promise I will hit you up. Oh, so damn good. And it's just such a neat little gimmick. And I I, I know we're, we're going to do a review show next week. Uh, sorry, a preview show next week of Revolution. I can tell you now, Sammy and Darby is my candidate to steal the show. Like the, the, the card is going to be stacked. But if they give those guys enough time and just let them go at it, that match is going to be amazing. I'd love um, to see that open the show. I think that would yeah, be a great way yeah, to that. immediately bring the energy up in the building. Those two can absolutely go. They are fast-paced kind of guys. And I, I think that would be an excellent way to start off hot, get the crowd going, and then go into the rest of what's going to be a really, really stacked card. So I'm excited for this one. Yeah, and and like you mentioned with how they turned off the lights and everything, it Darby got like the Undertaker treatment, like, you know, like, oh, my God, who's here? What's going on? And it, God, we say this every freaking week that Darby's on television, but he just keeps ascending, man. Like from last summer to now, like if you told if you told me when he had his match with Cody last summer that Darby would be maybe a a top five over talent in AEW less than six to seven months later, I would have said you're full of shit. And now all I want is more Darby in my life. And I love that despite being a smaller guy, he's just considered a badass. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you don't get the smaller guys to get that reputation and how everyone's afraid of him because the dude's fucking crazy. And like, you want to talk about how the other company had Ambrose as, you know, the crazy one. Like, no, no, no. Darby's the fucking crazy one. <laughs> and, uh, I just love how they positioned him and man, give me, give me Darby as AEW champion. I don't care. Let's do it. The thing is, <laughs> he feels like an attraction already. Yeah. Like I'm never more locked in to what's going on on AEW television, whether it's dynamite or dark or pay-per-view than when Darby Allen is on screen, because I know I'm going to see something really, really interesting. He just, I know I'm I'm harping on this. I've talked about it before. He moves differently from everybody else. You know, kind of in the same way that uh, a Zack Sabre Jr. moves differently in the ring. And you just have to pay attention. You have to see what he's going to do. Yep. And I thought this was a great way to bring him back two weeks before a pay-per-view, get everybody hyped up. And man, this card is really shaping up. And we had talked about how some of the storylines felt like they were kind of stagnating a few weeks ago. And as soon as the calendar turned to February, we're locked in, we're building, we are climbing up to the top of that roller coaster. And I cannot wait to throw my hands in the air and go down that big drop. <laughs> it's going to be a hell of a ride. And we're going to be able to watch Revolution together. So that is going to be a fun Sunday morning since we won't be able to do that on Saturday since I am turning 30 and we have much alcohol to drink. So uh, <laughs> we will be giving you a reaction pod to that the day after revolution. So definitely look out for it. Should be a fun one. Uh, anything else from this match before uh, we move on? Any other spots that stuck out to you or even the post-match segment as well? Um, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, okay. <clears throat> so something I wanted to talk about and, it's kind of a stock down um, is the way that the women's division was handled this week on dynamite. You know, I think I've been a big supporter of the women's division in all lead. I think they have some tremendous talents and people that I'm really excited to see moving forward. This was a huge episode of dynamite. It felt like a pay-per-view in the way that everybody was performing in these matches. And Shanna and Chris Statlander went out and had a really, really good match. And then there was the Tony Schiavone interview segment. And those two segments happened back to back. And mm -hmm. they weren't particularly long. And that was the only thing that went on with the women's division in All Elite this week. That was it. And it just kind of felt like they were pushed off in a corner and weren't very important on this really huge episode of Dynamite. 
And that just kind of struck a nerve with me. I, I really like the talent that they have. I'm excited to see what Nyla Rose does at Revolution and what her match ends up being. But we're two weeks out. We don't know who she's facing. Is it a rematch with Riho? Is it Big Swole? Is it Chris Statlander? Is it Britt Baker? I have questions. I want to know. And I don't feel like finding out the Wednesday before the show is sufficient. I want to find out, you know, I wanted to find out this week and I want to have them build up what that match is going to be next week. You know, even a two week build is really, really short, but we're talking about Wednesday to Saturday. That's all the time they have to build whatever this match is going to be. That's really disappointing to me. We, we, we talked about how we were kind of surprised that they were doing Nyla Rose versus Rio on dynamite three weeks out from the pay-per-view, which is why I think we both thought that there wouldn't be a title change. It felt weird to do that change right before a big pay-per-view. So um, it's, uh, yeah, that that's definitely concerning. I think this goes to show just, you know, and on the men's side, we talk about all these stars that we've seen grow and become bigger than they were when they first got here. You know, obviously Darby Allen is an example. Hangman Page is an example. Sammy Guevara. You know, I feel like we're kind of lacking that in the women's division. I think the two biggest stars uh, that, sorry, the two biggest growths we've seen in the women's division have been Nyla Rose and Britt Baker. And they're kind of keeping Britt away from the title situation for now, which makes sense because they want to keep establishing her as this this thrasher of the division with the mic. And, you know, it's kind of what I wrote about what does Rio do after losing the title? You know, we don't really have any big face uh, stars right now on the women's division. If you count Rio, then sure. But, you know, it kind of felt forced that Statlander and Big Swole came out. And I know that they've had matches on Dark the last few weeks, but we haven't seen Statlander or Swole on Dark for a while now. I think Swole had a match with, uh, maybe it was Nyla Rose a few weeks ago. Uh, But it just kind of seemed out of nowhere. And it feels like they're kind of, looking for that baby face star to to emerge. And I feel like that's the biggest weakness right now, which is why I was a little surprised that they put the title on a pure heel like Nyla, because I felt like there were more heels for a baby face champion to fight than vice versa. And I don't want this to sound like I'm down on the division because I'm not. I really like the women's division and I think there's tremendous amount of talent. I just didn't like the way it was booked this week to have these two segments back to back and that we're going into revolution, not knowing what the match is going to be. And by the time we find out, you know, unless they do like an announcement on social media of what the match is going to be, and then they have some kind of follow up to that on dynamite, you know, that might be a better way to do it, but that still feels a little bit cheap. And this was such a huge episode. Uh, the Atlanta crowd was red hot the entire show. And I, I just feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity. And I get that when you get into that conversation, you have to say, well, what do you bump, right? What do you yeah. take out if you're going to add something else in? Uh, but maybe instead of having Shanna and Chris Statlander uh, face off, have Chris Statlander face off with Hikaru Shida and have that be a number one contenders match. Or Chris Statlander and Riho and have that be a number one contenders match something so that we know where this is going going mm-hmm. into revolution so so that's my stock down for the week yeah it's it's one of those things where like maybe there's not a natural story that fits but you have the ranking system for a reason that should be your fallback if you don't have a natural storyline built you could say all titles must be defended at revolution nyla you're gonna face the number two ranked woman blah 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 like you could even go that route yeah it's not great there's not a huge emotional investment but it would make sense from the universe that they've created in aew i'm excited that nyler's champion i actually liked her promo too um you know uh, this is justice i should have been the first champion i should be the highest paid woman i should be on all the graphics and posters i was hoping she would mention the ice cream bar reference just from cm punk like i want to be on the ice cream bars uh and when you make me hungry you know what happens when i get hungry i break bitches i broke rio i cut her strings I thought it was just a really good promo from her. Showed a lot of emotion. You know, we've seen emotion from her in the ring and we've seen emotion in her spots, but 
this was really the first time that I think we actually got to see a little bit of her character through a promo. Well, I think some of the word choices fell flat for me because they're kind of tropes that we hear in wrestling all the time. But she delivered them with so much confidence, so much Mm -hmm. passion and so much command on the microphone that, I mean, I thought it was really, really great. And, you know, I'm not saying these two segments were bad. I don't think they were. It just it left me wondering, where are we going from here? Is the women's title going to be defended at Revolution? And if it's not, that feels like a problem to me as well. Yeah, the division feels a little lost right now, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, we have. We have obviously Nyla's champ, Rip Baker, and what she's doing is great, but there just doesn't seem to be, I don't know, a direction right now. And that's a little concerning. And they talked about so much last year that they wanted the women's division to be a big factor in their show. And today felt like how the other wrestling company treats the women's division. There's one or two segments in their two, three hour show, and then that's it. So. Well, with with TakeOver Portland so recently in the rear view, mm-hmm. and there were two exceptional oh, women's matches God, on yeah. that card, it just puts this in stark relief where it, it doesn't feel the same. Um, yeah. I know they had Statlander and Big Swole come out during that Nyla Rose interview, and so maybe those two are going to have a number one contenders match on Dynamite this upcoming week, and maybe that's where we'll get our match from. And if so... Both of those two have history with Nyla, so it's not like working from zero in terms of developing that story. But, yeah. you know, <clears throat> a couple of things I wanted to mention from these segments that I did really like. Um, I mentioned already Nyla Rose command on the microphone. Really tremendous. Uh, I thought that in the Shanna and Chris Statlander match, there was a really nice sequence where Statlander delivered a massive uppercut and then followed up with a Pele kick, and it mm-hmm. just looked really, really good. Also, Britt Baker, once again, great on commentary, just continues yep. to develop. And when she rattled off the stat about, oh, she hit her right here in the jaw, that's where 33% of jaw yeah. fractures happen. <laughs> I popped so big for that. I just thought it was yeah, great. It was and um, I even liked her uh, continuing the, the whole health and well-being of the public thing by talking about tony shivani's weight and i thought that was a good heelish thing to do um so yeah really really good stuff yeah going going to that match um i really like statlander's uh what's it called the big bang hit pile driver uh just looked damn good and and the two of them really made that spot work and i was a huge fan of shana's shanna shannon shanna shanna right shanna you got Shanna. shanna okay Shanna's gear. I'm a I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan, and I popped hard for her Goku esque ring gear, her Kamehameha as she came out to the ring. Uh, just just a cool look, and uh, just really enjoyed uh, uh what she brought in this match. And I think both are really talented. I know that Statlander kind of fizzled when they dropped the Amer the Nightmare Collective uh story, so that's probably why we haven't seen her as much. Um, because it looked like she was going to be a big part of that with Brandy. Um, so I think this was a good chance to kind of get her back on the main dynamite show. And yeah, I, I feel like it would be fast and I really would I don't really want Statlander to be the first victim of Nihilus Tyler title reign. Cause I feel like Statlander is a legit person who could take the belt off of Nyla. So we'll have to see as we go forward, but, um, you know, solid match, really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, really want to just see more from the women's division. And I, I, like we mentioned, things seem a little off right now. Not that it can't be exciting and they're, they're turning around here in the next few weeks, but definitely makes me a little uneasy. Uh, one last thing I liked her. I like Nyla in her promo saying, I'm going to be a one-time champion because I'm not going to lose this. <laughs> confidence. <laughs> That's good. That's so good. much confidence. Yeah. It, it reminded me of someone like the Jericho's like early on, like, Two weeks after the title, I'm the longest reigning AEW champion ever, and I am the oldest and youngest AEW champion ever. Like, so like I like that type of stuff. So I really liked Nyla making that proclamation. So um, I think we can we can move on to our lightning round. Unless you have anything else you want to talk about this match? No, let's go back and forth, rapid fire. Yeah. So I want to talk about the tag team battle royal real quick, and I don't know if you watched um, 
being the elite this week, but there was a segment that they did that was really good where Hangman found out the Young Bucks were going to be in that battle royal, and he went to every other team in the match and gave them some sort of intel and ended it with, and you didn't hear this from me. And, and there's one where he's in the shower with the best friends, and when it zooms out, they they put a black bar that's like the entire length of his leg over his crotch. <laughs> just. <laughs> just just to show what was really hanging with Hangman. Oh my gosh. Um, but what I loved about it is that he mentioned to the Hybrid 2 that Matt has back injury and that his lower left back has been an issue for him. And during the match, you saw Angelico go after Matt's lower back and you hear on commentary, oh, Angelico got good intelligence there, kind of referencing what we saw mm -hmm. on being the elite. So just a little continuation of this Bucks hangman page kenny omega storyline and i i love just the pure chaos of that match yeah i think it, we could go rapid fire just within this match yeah. um so i i think we also need to take a moment in memoriam um uh, of sammy guevara oh, after taking that super kick oh. i'm pretty sure he's dead like I know I'm excited for the Darby <laughs> Allen match, and I know we saw him later on in the night. If we're sure that was the same person, uh, yeah. goodness it gracious, like he got, he got his head taken off. <laughs> and also in memoriam, um, R.I.P. to Orange Cassidy's Clementine um, oh. after getting absolutely <laughs> blasted by the bunny. Clementines, halos, cuties, you know, whatever your favorite brand of small oranges. Uh, man, that was really well done. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the bunny alley uh, a few times, and I thought she just did a tremendous job outside the ring. And that little interaction with Orange Cassidy, I thought was fantastic. Yep. Uh, I thought I thought Trent was a big standout from this match with uh, him skinning the cat a few times and getting saved by <laughs> walking uh being on Orange Cassidy's shoulders like that. And it just it continues him being put in great spots to look like a star. And he looked like he belonged with, you know, uh, the Young Bucks and uh, Santana Ortiz. And I really love that him and Matt Jackson did the bro hug. <laughs> and we got the zoom out from them. I thought that was really funny. Um, and I, I also think the Butcher had a really good showing. And it, it probably was because of the size. But for him to last that long and to be put in those spots, I think is just a great Great sign of things to come for the Butcher and the Blade. Um, just really fun stuff. And God, Lu <laughs> Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus had a couple of great spots in this match. Same thing with Private Party. I really I, liked um, Jungle Boy hanging on the ring post. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of chilling out, taking a breather. Uh, I thought that was really uh, fitting for his character. He has really good command of his character. Um, I thought there was good continuity with the, the Dark Order and SCU. I like yep. their little interaction and their kind of corporate entity coming out and, and getting on the microphone a little bit, yeah, creating that distraction. AEW tweeted out, the exalted one is watching. And this is probably just a coincidence. They didn't acknowledge him on the show, but Raven was sitting in the crowd behind the dark order during, uh, during the show. And just as a fan, but uh, I kind of like that AEW leaned into that and, I haven't thought about Raven <laughs> in a few years, but some some awesome 90s and early 2000 memories from uh, from my boy Raven. So don't know if that's what they're go, but kind of interesting that they uh, they pointed that out. Um, and I think we all knew the Bucks were going to win this match because it made storyline sense. But I think they did a really good job of putting that in doubt. Yeah, um, definitely. Which I think is I don't mind predictable as long as. I don't really know it's predictable. <laughs> like, like it doesn't feel predictable as this match went on because they had uh, Nick Jackson get eliminated pretty early. And I loved how they had individual tag team members get eliminated and one of their partners staying in. You know, uh, Chucky T got eliminated early on. The Blade got eliminated. And we had a lot of these one-on-one, -on -one, you know, situations. So uh, just, a, just a great, great match. And I don't know if I thought it was going to be this good. I don't typically like battle royals like this just because it can be super chaotic and it was like most battle royals the first five six minutes kind of didn't really matter and there wasn't anything really notable but once you got down to you know five six guys the the match picked up and i really enjoyed it so anything else about this 
I thought the work rate for the entire match was really good. And that's usually what I don't like about a Battle Royal is it's a longer segment and there's not a whole lot going on. It's usually a really low work rate affair. And I think it's hard to coordinate, right? When you're laying out a match and you have to figure out all of these eliminations, you know, it's not a Royal Rumble, but it, it, it's almost in a way more difficult because everybody starts out in the ring and knowing yeah. who you're supposed to eliminate, when everybody's supposed to go out, all of those pieces are difficult to do. And I think the indies do a much better job with battle royals than your major promotions. And I think the fact that there's so much talent recently on the indies that's present in AEW, they're able to pull from those kind of successes and figuring out how do we book this match in a way that makes everybody look good, that creates fun action in the ring, that's interesting to watch, and isn't just a whole bunch of people holding onto the ropes while other people try to throw them over the yeah. top. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I really like you mentioned you really enjoyed the Dark Order SCU stuff. I really also enjoyed Shima taking the mask and just walking away with it. Uh, it that that was interesting to me. Also, we haven't seen him on TV in months, and I just really enjoy his work. So if we could get him more on TV, uh, I'd be all for that. And we gotta be getting close to the Exalted One being revealed. It gotta be soon. I don't know how much longer they can tease us out, but. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes because if the, we mentioned they have to get it right, but if the leader is big enough that it can, it can turn this pretty solid, okay storyline into something greater. So very intrigued with where that's going. And I, I like them being involved without necessarily having to see the dark order in a match. Um, and also like, Evil Luno and I can't remember the other guy's name, but Grayson. Those two, yeah, those two should be Dude treated Grayson. like the big. Do Grayson, yeah, you should have those two treated like the big bads. You know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be in matches unless it's really important because they're two of the highest level guys in there. Let the creepers and let the Beaver Boys <laughs> be involved in stuff like this. Um, and yeah, excited to see where it goes. And no Christopher Daniels this week. It's a little, well, interesting. My my guess for the Exalted One is Scooby-Doo. And for the <laughs> second week in a row, we got Scooby-Doo in the front row. And this is just a little shout out to me for my, all the live tweeting I was doing. But he responded to me. And I, I don't know if it's actually him. I got to make sure that it's the real Scooby-Doo. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a Scooby-Doo uh, AEW Twitter account um, who who tweeted at me and followed the account. And then also a side note, I know I made that stupid joke last week, how I thought a cage match meant Brian Cage would show up. So I tweeted that last night and our boy Brian Cage liked it back. So uh, we need to get some cage matches, real cage matches in AEW or I'm going to oh. lose my shit. So he is a machine. He is amazing. So anything else from the show? I, I feel like we covered a ton, but I know you you had a few other things um, when we talked pre-show. So anything else from either this tag match or the rest of the card? Um, I mean, we really have touched on pretty much everything. The only other thing that's worth mentioning was the little introduction of AEW action figures. Um, I'm yes. not an action figure guy, but I thought the yeah. way they did it was really cool. It was neat seeing the reactions of the different stars to seeing their action figures for the first time. And I'm sure for oh. some of these people, it's the first time they've been an action figure, you know, yeah. so... I mean, they've been Funko Pops, but that's different, you know. Um, so I, I'm I'm really interested with how they did it. And also, um, we got to see um, Mrs. Youngbuck, one of the Mrs. Youngbucks, because that's who that was, in case you didn't know. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she's, um, she's doing the merch stuff. And she's done merch stuff for the Youngbucks for a long the entire, time. Yeah. So, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was neat to, to get for her to kind of get some spotlight on TV because uh, both of the Young Bucks significant, significant others have done a ton for their wrestling careers. And mm -hmm. I feel like they don't really get credit or spotlight. And that may be something yeah. that, you know, they want it to be that way. But from different interviews that I've heard over the years with the Bucks, you know, they're always giving credit uh, to their, their better half. As they should. It was nice that, you know, she kind of got a little mini spotlight on air. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed all the reactions. But Brandy's, I think, was the best because I thought she was about to start crying. 
you could see in her face how excited she was and how happy she was to have well, an Cody action figure. Did start crying. Yeah, like I just I love that, you know, because we're used to God. I don't want to shit on the other company so much, but like God, dude, there was one time where it was like, <laughs> it was like a uh, Big Show and R Truth playing with action figures backstage. And yeah, this is our like shark cage set. It's just so stupid. And I really enjoyed how uh, they did this. And yeah, I'm usually a Funko Pop guy. You know, I got my Young Bucks and my Kenny Omega looking over me. You know, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit there. Um, but I might might have to dive into some of these uh, these AEW um, toys uh, when they come out, just to support our our boys. So. I just thought a really good segment. I just love the authenticity that we get in some of this stuff. You know, like that, obviously none of that felt scripted. You know, that was their true human reactions. And it goes back to how can you not love Cody? Like just his, just his authenticity in that spot. And then what he does in the ring and what he's doing behind the scenes. It's just, you know, it's, we, we are, we are getting to see some truly special stuff with, uh, with Cody. Um, and I'm just really, uh, Man, I'm glad this. I'm glad AEW exists. I needed. I needed some of this in my life. <laughs> well, they're they've called it a revolution. This upcoming pay per view is revolution, and with the things that they're doing and the way they're doing them, it really does feel like a revolution. So, um, unless you have anything else from this week's show that we need to talk about, I think it's a good time to look ahead at the last episode of Dynamite before Revolution. What's been announced for that card? Um, yeah, so we're gonna get <laughs> maybe the best TV main event of the last decade when we get Pac versus Omega in a 30 minute Iron Man match. Oh my god, it should be amazing. I, I love that we're getting this, this rubber match. I am surprised that this is a TV level match because it, it might mean that Pac is not involved in the revolution card, which you know, that's a bummer, but at least we get this this match. And, uh, you know, we've seen them go at it twice. You know, I was at All Out where I got to see the first Pack Omega match. Um, and I'm just really stoked to see what they can bring to the table. Any thoughts on that match? Other than the um, I mean, I'm excited to see it. And, you know, Iron Man matches, if they're done well, they're a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, we um, <clears throat> we had a conversation recently talking about some of our favorite Iron Man matches. Uh, one of mine is uh, a tag team Iron Man match between Eminem back in the day and uh, Charlie Haas with Hardcore Holly. That was on SmackDown, like, I don't know, 2005 or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, you mentioned being at the Iron Man match between Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. And oh, you damn know, good. It goes to show that a well done Iron Man match is very memorable. And with these two talents getting the main event spot on an episode of Dynamite, 30 minutes, this could be a very memorable match. So I'm excited about it. And that was really it for the what's been announced for next week. You know, it's the first AEW Go Home show since November. So I'm curious to see how they do this, what kind of precedent they set. Um, so yeah, it should be an exciting uh, Go Home week. And, and just to let you guys know, we're going to do our normal reaction show next Wednesday night, which should be up Thursday. And then we're going to do a preview show that should be live on Friday. And that's where we'll break down the Revolution card, go into our preview and predictions, and then we'll do a reaction show on Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> we won't be able to watch live because it is my 30th birthday and we have a lot of alcohol to drink. But we will watch Revolution on Sunday morning and get you a Revolution reaction show, uh, most likely up by Sunday night. So uh, looking forward to talking about that with you guys and just some housekeeping. As mentioned at the top of the show, we are on Spotify and iTunes now. So you can go and find us and subscribe. Uh, we encourage you to do. It really helps us out. The best thing we can do right now is, is to get the word out. So Give us your five-star ratings. If you want to try and break the system and go Meltzer on us, you can give us a six-star rating. I don't care. Uh, but just uh, go go give us a review, and uh, we love the feedback. You know, we're new at this, and anything you can say uh, will help us. We're, we're open to anything. And um, you can find us on social media at 
OWS underscore pod on Twitter, The Other Wrestling Show on Facebook and Instagram, and you can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. Additionally, we, we lost Joel due to some audio issues, but Joel is on Twitter now at the other Joel. So go follow him. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda. Uh, well, we will interact and talk to you guys about anything. I, I talked to a few of you guys uh, during the live uh, tweeting last night, which was a ton of fun. We're going to plan on doing that going forward. And if any of you are planning to attend the April 15th AW taping here in Boston, Massachusetts, reach out. It'd be great to meet up with you guys. I'm going to be there. Uh, or hopefully be able to do something a little special for our, our followers, um, subscribers. So hit me up. Uh, should be a great show. Obviously, it's <laughs> way out in the future, so we have nothing announced, but it's dynamite, man. It should be awesome. And that should be halfway to the build to double or nothing. So should be a, a good time. So hit us up. I think that's it. So remember, life's a work. Duck the clothesline and happy wrestling.